Lord, as the uh, praise team makes their way down, great, great job. They, man, they just do a wonderful job, do they not? I, I, I say it, I say it many times. They don't do it. They don't do it for that. I promise you. But it's nice to recognize the the use of their gifting and the fact that they they uh, they're here to lead us in worship. They're not here to put on a show. Not here to put on a concert. They're here to lead us in worship, and I, I so appreciate that. I appreciate Pastor Aaron's heart and leadership in that and those that are serving. Um, I want you to take your Bibles. You can write down. I want you to write down a few passages. I'm going to give these to you ahead of time so you can maybe mark them, and then you can flip over there quickly as we, as we work through this. Um, Matthew 28. Mark, mark Matthew 28. Luke 24. John chapter 20. I'll say it again, Matthew 28, Luke 24. I'll give, you a, I'll give you a more detailed address. I'll give you the house number once we get on the street, okay? So Matthew 28, Luke 24, John chapter 20, Acts chapter 2. And, and if you want to, you can turn over to Revelation 1. You can mark that as well, okay? And we'll just be there for just a moment. But um, Message this morning is this. This is the title. The title is Why Sunday Still Matters. Why Sunday Still Matters. Now, we're launching from, and you don't have to turn here, but 1 Corinthians 16. We were there last week. We've been there for months and months and months, a year and a half now, I think we're in, in 1 Corinthians. But, but verse 2 says this. I just want to, we're going to read this one verse. We're going to pull a phrase out of here, and then we're going to launch from there. But verse 2 says, on the first day of the week, and we talked about this last week, of, of bringing our offerings, bringing our, those, the, the principles of giving in church. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside something, I'll lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collection when I come. Now, that day, I want to highlight this, and I think we understood that last week, and we understood we, we would take this, easily read that, and we'd take the principle of that and go, well, that's Sunday. That's, that would reply to us today. But is, is it just a matter of it applying to us today because we gather on Sunday, or was that Sunday? Was that, was that Sunday that they met, and was it significant? We're going to look at that. And it is Sunday. On the first day of the week, it is Sunday. That's Sunday. The, the Sabbath was the seventh day of the week. And the next day, of course, is Sunday. And it's the first day of the week. So when we see in Scripture, on the first day of the week, that is speaking of Sunday. So that, that's how we know that that's speaking of Sunday right there in, in 1 Corinthians. Now, what is the significance of this here in verse 2? Does this have anything to do with us being here today worshiping on Sunday? Does that then translate to why we still worship on Sunday today? Is Sunday the Christian Sabbath? I hear a lot of people talk about, you know, for Christians, do we take a Sabbath? Is it we just do a Sabbath on a different day? We're going to hopefully answer this question as we go today. Is this our day of rest? Is Sunday our day of rest, as, as that was for the, for the Jews, the, the, the Sabbath? So why do we worship on Sunday and not on Saturday or some other day? How did we get to Sunday? And that's what we want to look at this morning. I, my, my goal is this. I, I, I'm, I'm, the, the message is titled, Why Sunday Still Matters. I hope when you leave today, you're going to understand why Sunday still matters. And, and you'll have a new understanding of why Sunday is such a special day. And it's not just a day that we've chosen to gather together. That's something that we did, but we're going to understand where that came from. So let's have a word of prayer, and, and then we'll launch into this. Father, thank you again for the blessing of being in your house. Thank you for our risen Savior, the one that we come today to worship, to praise, to glorify, to honor, to lift up and exalt because of what he did for us. Thank you, Father, for what you did for us in sending Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming and dying in our place, rising again with victory over death, hell, sin, and the grave. And we thank you this morning for the Holy Spirit of God that indwells each one of us as believers. And even now, the Holy Spirit of God is moving in our midst and moving among the hearts of those that are lost this morning, those who have never come to saving faith in Jesus. I believe with all my heart, the Holy Spirit even now is working and speaking to those hearts. I pray, Lord, that we, we drop our guard this morning that we put aside the, the, the distractions of yesterday or this morning or this afternoon or tomorrow. And for right now, we would focus on your word and we would listen to you as you speak to us through your word. And we'll praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
Now, through the years, there have been those who observed Sunday in a very strict manner, much like the Sabbath. Okay, they would have taken the Sabbath and there were Christians who worshiped on Sunday and they treated Sunday like the Sabbath. It was almost in that way. Some people wouldn't sweep their house or dust their house or make the beds or even cook on Sunday. They wouldn't do those things because it was Sunday. Some of the restrictions that have been observed and enforced on Sundays are, are rather humorous. In Scotland, in the 17th century, one poor fellow was hauled into court for smiling on Sunday. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to, don't want to be happy on Sunday. So I think maybe they missed the point. But, but in the history of our own country, men once held a high regard for Sunday. There was a much higher regard in the past than there is today. In fact, without launching into this too much, if we go back, I promise you, if we went back 20 years, 20 years, and I described how Sunday would be treated today by professing Christians, we'd be shocked. We'd say there's no way people would do those things on Sunday because we had a different mindset for Sunday, a different appreciation for Sunday. You go back 40 years, it absolutely would be different. But there were days, even in our own country, it was different. Listen, when the Mayflower reached Plymouth Harbor, it was a Saturday afternoon. Now, what do you think you'd do if you'd been on a, on a ship for 13 weeks, tossing, turning, storms, all that, motion sickness, weariness, all of that, and you get into harbor, you can see land. I'll tell you what I'd probably want to do. I'd jump and swim if I had to. I'd want to be on land. I don't like boats a whole lot anyway. I'd want to be on land. Listen what they did. How, how eager the pilgrims must have been to set foot on Sodom land after exile in Holland. 13 weeks of tossing on a rough Atlantic, homesick, seasick, and weariness. Despite their longing to go ashore and make a new home, they spent Saturday afternoon in preparation for Sunday. And they spent all day Sunday in worship. On Monday morning, when they disembarked, they had been there for 42 hours. They had been in the harbor 42 hours, but they stayed because they, they, they were not going to mess up the worship on Sunday morning. So they worshiped on the boat. Another story says a sea captain returned to his home in Massachusetts after an absence of two years. His wife met him at the gate and he kissed her. Right? Who wouldn't? Yet it was not lawful to kiss one's wife on the Sabbath. Therefore, this wicked captain was put into stocks for his lack of reverence for the holy day. That's the kind of reverence we've had in the past. President-elect Zachary Taylor was scheduled, according to the Constitution, to take office on March the 4th, but he refused, he refused to be inaugurated because the day was a Sunday. Folks, we, have, we've, we've got a, we had a different view of Sunday in the past than, than in many ways we have today. The world around us understands or did understand the significance of Sunday to Christians. Voltaire said this. He said, I can never hope to destroy Christianity until I first destroy the Christian Sabbath. Someone who wanted to destroy Christianity understood that it would take tearing down what Sunday meant to believers in that, that special day. Gladstone said this. Uh, he said, tell me what the young men of England are doing on Sunday, and I will tell you what the future of England will be. Pretty, pretty interesting statement. Too many in our day are not interested in keeping the Lord's Day holy, but only in getting in their recreation, their bed rest, their visiting, their shopping, or finishing some work. Our great-grandfathers called Sunday the Holy Sabbath. Our grandfathers called it the Sabbath. Our fathers called it Sunday. And today, many just call it the weekend. I can't help but... I guess, uh, all right, so you all get an insight into my brain, okay? So I just had a song pop in my head. Everybody's working for the weekend. Now, y'all all have it in your head. You're going to have a worm in your head. But here's the, here's the thing about that song. That's the mentality of America today, American Christianity. We work our five days. We give that. But son, uh, the weekend is my time. I hope you have a different perspective of of. The weekend. I hope you have a different perspective of Sunday when we leave here today. So why Sunday still matters. God created, now I'm going to give you, a, I had six pages of notes, and I'm going to give you about a page and a half here talking about rest days, okay? So bear with me. We may have to come back and preach all this another time. But we want to talk about where do these days of rest and then the Sabbath and things come from. So I'm giving you 30,000 foot overview right here. God created everything in six days. Amen. Six days, not six million years, not six billion years. Six days. God created everything that was God created. Do you believe that preacher? Do you really believe God created in six literal 24 hour days? Yes, I do. Absolutely. I believe that. And then on the seventh day, God rested. Literally, he ceased 
working. That's what that means. He ceased working. He wasn't tired. He didn't need to rest and recover. He didn't need to go recharge his batteries. He was finished with the work of creation. He created in six days and he ceased from working. That's what that rest means. Now, I believe it's very intentional. When you go back and you can study out the days and the calendars, you cannot do it if you don't understand creation in, 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 in chapter Genesis 1 and 2. You, you won't understand the, the weeks and the days and the months and the signs. All that that our calendar... Our days, our hours, our months, our, our years, all are, are, are calculated off of what, what is there in Genesis 1 and 2, off of God's creation. Amen? That's all there. And, uh, but God, he didn't, he, didn't need, he didn't need to rest. He, he doesn't need that rest. So man, man falls into sin. God created man. Man falls into sin. And God had rested. Now Jesus goes right back to work. Okay, now we're going to come back to that. In fact, John 5, 17 says this way. Jesus said, he answered them, he says, My father has been working until now. Now we know that, the, that God rested, right? He ceased from his work. When man, fall in, when man falls into sin, God goes right back to work. And what is the work that he's, going, he's, he's in? It's the work of restoring man to God. It's the, the store of, 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 of salvation, the work of salvation. My father has been working until now, Jesus said, and I have been working. Now we're going to come back to that. Then God gives Israel the Sabbath. You know the Sabbath. We're very familiar with the Sabbath. Those who have been to Israel, we understood that. Friday night to Saturday night. Friday at sundown till Saturday at sundown was the Sabbath. It was, and they didn't work on that day. Everything, and it shuts down. There ain't no cars on the roads. The train's not running. There's nothing going on on the Sabbath. You go to get in a hotel in Israel, and, and you can't even you don't even push a button. There's an there's a elevator there when you get in, in at the hotel that just goes at every floor because they can't push the button because that would be work. They can't work on the Sabbath. So the, the stops at every floor. So we didn't, we learned, you learn not to get on that elevator. Um, that, that's not the one you get on. But they have other elevators, but that's, that's what they do because they don't, they don't do any work. But God gave Israel the Sabbath. Exodus 31, verse 13 through 17, verse 13. Speak also, God, God here is speaking and, and, and he's telling Moses, speak also to the children of Israel saying, now who, who is he talking to? Who's he talking to? The children of Israel, the Jews, right? So God is talking to, he's telling Moses what to say to the children of Israel. He's talking to the Jews. He says, surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you. Between who? Who is the, who is the sign between? Israel and God. Exactly right. Between God and Israel. He says, between me, capital M, between me, God, and you, Israel. So there, there is this, there's this uh, it's a sign between them. Throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does, not work, does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest. Holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, now listen to this, therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath. Who shall keep the Sabbath? The children of Israel. To observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. So understand this. This is a covenant rest. When we talk about the Sabbath, it's a covenant rest, and it's a covenant between the Lord and the nation of Israel, the, the children of Israel. This has nothing to do with us today. Nothing. And so many times we have those who still want to put upon us. There are those today who want to live under the Jewish law. They want to live under those things and observe the Sabbath. Good luck with that. Well, you know, if you, put, if you even make a fire, that's, that's wrong. Well, I, I can observe the Sabbath and not make a fire. Okay, well, if you crank your car, you've made a fire. If you turn on your stove, you've made a fire. If you turn on a light bulb, you've made a fire. You have now sinned on the Sabbath. You, and, and it's up to death, okay? So this is, I don't want to, anybody here want to live on the Sabbath? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. It became, what it became by man's rules is crazy. I think it was 1,521 different things they came up with you couldn't do. Get a tack in your shoe, better take it off on Friday. Uh, before, before the Sabbath begins, because otherwise you're working because you're carrying a burden. If a flea bites you, you can't even shoo it away. You can't hunt it down and kill it, because if you did, you're hunting on the Sabbath. 
I mean, this is the thing. Ox falls in a ditch, you can get him out. Man falls in a ditch, you're stuck there till the next day. Okay, that's the stupidity of the rules that they had. Those were man-given rules. They perverted God's Sabbath, His holy Sabbath. Verse 17 says, It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day He rested and was refreshed. He told them what they needed to do. It was a covenant. Now let's go back again and look at what Jesus said. After this, Jesus comes, verse, John chapter 5, verse 17, already read it once. But Jesus answered them, My Father has been working until now, and I have been working. What was Jesus working on? He was working on a new creation. He was working on the redemption of man. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It's a new creation. So this is what Jesus had been working on. From the fall of man till he rises from the dead, God has been working. And it is the redemption of man that he has been working on. And at that point, so our Lord was working on this new creation. And when that new creation was finished, then the Lord Jesus rested. When Jesus bowed his head and died, his work ceased. And he said in John 19.30, he said, it is finished. The work of creation, I mean, the work of salvation was done. Everything that needed to be done was done. Those who today want to try to put works on it, well, you got to do this, you know, you got to believe and then do these works, and you, then you got to hope and, and you got to, you got to, all these different things. And if there are no buts and there are no ands when it comes to it, we're saved by grace through faith. Amen? Period. Exclamation park. End of story. Jesus has done all there is to do. There's nothing we add to that except our own sin. That's all we bring to salvation is our sin. He, does, he did it all. And then when he was done, he rested. Hebrews 10, 12 says, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Why did he sit down? Because he's resting. He's done. He is ceasing. Now he is ceasing from his work. The Sabbath is gone. Sabbath is gone. It is done away with. We are no longer under the law. Amen? All right, you got it? In fact, well, let's look at Colossians. Colossians 2.16 says this, So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths. If they're trying to tell you you've got to live under the Sabbath, you've got to live under... No, 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 Christian, you don't. You're not living under that. We're not under that. These were... He's writing there. They, a lot of these would have been Jews who would have been living under the Sabbath. They come to Christ. You no longer live under the Sabbath. If you're a Jew, they're still trying to live under that. As a believer, as a Christian, we're not under that. So can, can we say, are, are we under the Sabbath anymore today? No, we're not. We're free of that. That is not applied to us today. Now... What is today? What is the day today? Sunday. Sunday. Today's Sunday, right? We're here on Sunday. We're gathered here on Sunday. So that's an over. I just gave you an overview of the different rest. You got creation rest. You got the, the, the covenant rest, which was the Sabbath. And then we have, we have um, 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 Calvary rest with, with the Lord's work on Calvary and bringing salvation. Okay, we have those rests. Now let's look at Sunday. How did we get here? And we come to the house of God and we worship our God, our Savior on Sunday. Every, everywhere I've ever traveled, Christians worshiped on Sunday. Anybody else experience that? Everywhere I've ever been, Christians worship on Sunday. Everything I've ever studied tell me that, tells me that Christians have worshiped on Sunday going all the way back to the very first Christians, the very first ones who were saved. They landed on Sunday. They worshiped on Sunday. So did Sunday just happen? Is Sunday just some arbitrary, you know, why, why do we not, why is the day of worship not Monday or Wednesday or even Friday? Why is it not that? Why is it Sunday? That's what we want to look at. And, and some have asked, you know, did it just happen this way? And it'd be, you'd be pretty hard-pressed to sell anybody on that idea since, since you have all these different countries, all these different languages, and all these different centuries. From then until now, we, we worship on Sunday. Believers gather and worship on Sunday. It'd be hard-pressed to say this is just, that's just the way it's kind of washed out, okay? It's just the way it's happened. So let's look at how that's happened. Now, I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm going to be arguing with, I'm not going to argue, but I'm I'm going to make the argument. I'm going to make the argument uh, from history is that this that, that the church has taken this very seriously, this worshiping on Sunday. All through these centuries, since 
since the Lord finished his work there at Calvary and the church was all of that, the church, when the church was born, the church has taken this very, very seriously about worshiping on Sunday. And so the church made an issue, made an issue out, of, out of Sunday ever since the New Testament times. And here we are 2,000 years later and the church is still meeting on Sunday. And I'd say it's pretty well embedded in what we do as Christians. Amen? It's, it's there. But why? I imagine if I ask, some of you probably have had that question before. Why, why Sunday? Why is Sunday the day? Why do we gather on Sunday? Is there a reason? Why? Why is that the case? Who decided that? Who was it that came up with that? The early church, they, how did we get there? That's what we want to look at. So Matthew 28, now we're there. Matthew 28. You turned on Matthew Street, go to the first house, okay? The first house. We're going to house number one on Matthew 28. So now, after the Sabbath, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week, what day is that? Sunday. We don't have any problem with that. We understand that. We understand Resurrection Sunday. Boy, we talk about Easter Sunday. We wouldn't celebrate Easter Sunday on a Wednesday. Why? The Lord didn't rise on a Wednesday. The Lord rose on Sunday. It was, it was, it was after the Sabbath. The Sabbath ended at, at, at evening on Saturday. So it's after the Sabbath as the first day of the week began to dawn. Now here in Matthew 28, we know this story. Mag Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel, answered, the angel answered and said to the, the, the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Amen. We all say amen, all right? That's the thing. And he said, Come and see where the, the place where the Lord lay. Invited them in. The, open, the tomb is open. The tomb didn't open up to let the Lord out. The Lord was already gone. They opened up the tomb so those others could see in and see that he was gone. And they go in, they look in. We know that the, the linens were laid there and, the, and the, the face cloth was folded up and laid, which means he wasn't coming back. He was done. That's what it meant. And uh, so come and see the place where the Lord lay. In verse 7 it says, and go quickly. Now there's a lot that's going to happen on this first day. And he says, go quickly. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Now, now uh, before this event, understand this, before this event, before the resurrection of Christ on that first resurrection morning, that first Sunday morning, Sunday had absolutely no place in the Jewish calendar. Understand that. Nothing. There was no importance. There was no place for it. It was nothing significant at all. None, zero, zilch. It didn't mean anything. In fact, uh, it, it wasn't identified as a special way, or a special day, or in a special way or anything, religiously or socially. It was like every other day. Remember, they even worked on Sunday. They could work six days, and then on the seventh was the Sabbath. So if you work six days, and the Sabbath is Friday night to Saturday night, does you work on Sunday? You work on Sunday. They even worked on Sunday. Sunday was not, it meant nothing to the Jew. There was nothing significant about that day. In Israel today, even Sunday is just a regular work day. They, they come off the Sabbath, they sleep that night, boom, they get up and go to work on Sunday morning. They go right back to, that's a regular part of their, that's their Monday morning for them. But once the Lord rose from the dead on the first day of the week, the first day of the week would never be the same again. And look, you have the first Sunday worship service here in verse, in verse 9. Look at verse 8 and verse 9. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. Verse 9, and as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by his feet and worshipped him. Now, it's a small service. Granted, but it's a worship service. And there's our first worship service right there. Just moments after they've seen the Lord, they fall at his feet and they worship him on what day? On Sunday. Now turn to Luke 24. Learn to, learn to uh, turn to Luke 24. And we want to keep thinking about this thing about go quickly. Why, why did he tell them go quickly? What's the significance of that? Luke 24, we're going to look at ver begin at verse 1 again. So now on the first day of the week, again, Luke's recording the same situation here. The first day of the week, it's Sunday morning. Very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. That same account, the women worship, and then they go to tell the disciples, okay? Verse 11. 
Jump down to verse 11. And I'm not doing an exhaustive study through this, so I'm, I'm going to be doing 30,000 feet. We're going we're we're to get a big picture of what's going on. Verse 11 then. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. Remember the ladies? They, they saw Jesus. They worshipped him. They go back to tell the other disciples, and their words were like idle tales. They didn't believe. They didn't believe. Well, I mean, who would? I mean, who would? You know, you think, y'all have lost your minds. In your grief, you've lost your mind. Y'all have absolutely, you're beside yourself. We need to get you medicated. What's going on? So, so, verse 12, but Peter arose. Now, Peter said, all right, y'all talking, let's go. So Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. So you remember Peter and John went to the tomb, as the other gospel writers tell us, and they realized the resurrection had taken place. So here it is. It's dawn on Sunday. It's dawn on Sunday, and it's become apparent very, very early in the morning that the Lord is risen, that He's alive, which means that He has accomplished redemption on the cross. Amen? If He's alive, God's accepted His his sacrificial offering. God accepted that. He has been raised for our justification. He has conquered sin and death and hell. He has borne our sins in His own body on the cross, been made sin for us, and He has risen from the dead in triumph, and it's still early. I mean, this is all they're realizing, and it's early still on Sunday morning. Then we continue on. It's still the same day, verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. So were two of the disciples who had heard all this, seen all this, and, eh, you know, they didn't go to the tomb or whatever. They heard the ladies talking. They said, ah, we're out of here. They take off. They're going to Emmaus. Emmaus is seven miles away, and they're walking. And it's still the first day. It's still Sunday. Verse 14, and they talked together as of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now, we know from the scriptures here that the Lord kind of blinded their eyes, didn't allow them to see who he was, but he's going with him. He engages them in conversation. They don't recognize him. He gets them to tell what has happened in Jerusalem. He acts like, ah, oh, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, they're like, I mean, you must be, you've been living under a rock. You're the only person coming out of Jerusalem that does not know what is going on these last few days. This has been, this has been crazy. And so they begin to tell all that went on. And all this goes on. And then Jesus, when you get down to verse 25, look at this. Jesus, he's going to preach the first sermon ever preached. Okay? 25, verse 25. And then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Verse 26. Here's the title of the first message ever preached. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? That was the first message. He preached that message. And and, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He preaches through the scriptures. He points to himself all through the scriptures to these men. They stop to eat. He blesses the bread. Their eyes are opened and he vanishes. Instantly they knew. Their eyes were open. They knew this was Jesus. This was him. Our hearts burned as he was here. It's quite a day, right? So in the morning he appeared to the, the women and to the apostles. In the afternoon he appears to these two men, on the, two, I assume two men. Uh, some believe as a man and maybe his wife. But there's the two that were on the road to Emmaus. But there, there, there's more yet. And already this is some, some more Sunday, right? You already got these two things. So these two, these two people, these two disciples, having come to realize Jesus is alive, they run the seven miles back to Jerusalem. They get back, and verse 33, they join the others. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, verse 34, saying, The Lord is risen indeed. Now they're testifying to it. They've seen Jesus. They've talked with Jesus. They've been, it's been revealed to them that Jesus is alive. This is some more day. This, I mean, and so they're back. It's in the evening now, and they tell their story, and then it gets really interesting because look at verse 36. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. Now I think this is the second time he said that, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed... Uh, that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that, that it is I myself handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. 
When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. He is proving to them, and he proved right here, that he was risen from the dead. He was in his resurrected physical body, risen from the dead. He wasn't just some spirit floating around out there, and they had not lost their minds. He sat down and physically ate with them, and they know. They know. So here's the first Sunday. All this is going on, and they have come to know that Jesus is alive on that first Sunday. John 20, John 20, flip over to John 20, still looking uh, big picture. John 20, verse 1, now on the first day of the week. It's the same account again, same account again. And we're going to pick up in verse 19 where we left off in verse 24. John 20, verse 19. Then the same day, so it's still the same day, which is Sunday, it's Resurrection Sunday, the same day at evening being the first day of the week. All of that's given to us right there. We see it's Sundays, the same day. All this is still going on. The two from Emmaus come back to the upper room where the 11 are, and it's still the first day of the week. It's still Sunday. Verse 19, the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Verse 20, When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now, verse 21. We see right here in verse 21, the first mention of the Great Commission. Now, we we go to Matthew 28 and we get to see the Great Commission. This really is the first mention of this. He is alluding to it right here, verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. We, we have right here on Sunday, Sunday evening, the Lord is giving them the, the, the very beginning, first speaking of the Great Commission, that I am going to send you out. And then we have a preview, a promise of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we see all that happened on that first Sunday. It was a packed day. You can understand why the angel said, go quickly. Go quickly and tell, because there was much to go on on this day. There were many events that were going to happen. Sunday was a special day, amen? Now, we wouldn't argue against that at all. We would, we would absolutely say Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. That's, a, that's an important day. That's a big day. Now, on Friday night when Jesus died, their hopes were crushed. Remember back just a few days before when the Lord was dead. He had been dead and they, and they buried him. They, saw, they were crushed by that. Their, their hearts are broken. The best that they could hope for is, is for rest on the Sabbath because they couldn't do any work. They couldn't do any traveling. They couldn't go anywhere. So even the women who were going to anoint his body had to wait until the Sabbath was over. And, and, and they'll go and do what, what would be a nice thing to do, you know, to anoint the body of Jesus. That's what they're going to do. That's their hopes Man, their hopes are just crushed. The one they were, their, uh, that their faith was in, the one their hope was in, he's dead, he's buried, and, and it's over. And they, the very least we can do is we'll go and anoint his body. And, and, and that was the best they could hope for, is some act of kindness for the dead body of the one they put their trust in. But by the time that Sunday is over, they all know that Jesus is alive from the dead. You're talking an incredible, an incredible weekend, an incredible day that Sunday. And, and then this is fabulous. Look at John 20, 26. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Now, what day would that be? That would be Sunday. You go back and you figure the first day was Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Eighth day is Sunday. They're back together again. They're meeting together again. It's a Sunday. Nothing happened in the seven days in between. It's not until the eighth day that the disciples again are gathered. Now, I believe they were gathering all the other days of the week. And remember, they were hiding. They were hiding out together. They were scared to death. They were still, they were still fear among them. And, uh, but they're gathered together on this Sunday and... And we're going to see now, Jesus presents himself again. And he comes and he presents himself to Thomas, verse 28. And we see, we see all of that where he presents himself to Thomas. Thomas was the only one that was not there last Sunday when they gathered together. Now on this Sunday, the next Sunday, and, and Thomas sees the Lord and the Lord speaks with him. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. He was, he was thoroughly convinced 
and thoroughly saved right there. He put his faith. It was no longer faith for Thomas. He saw the Lord, but he trusted in him. He was saved right there. But the point is that I want to make is this. All of a sudden, Sunday has become a very, very special day. Do you see it? It's a special day. Jesus makes two miraculous post-resurrection appearances to the disciples. Both of them are on Sunday. Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. He appeared on that Sunday in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. Jesus showed himself alive to the women on that Sunday. They had the first worship service as Jesus preached the first sermon on that Sunday. He met two disciples on that Sunday, broke bread with them and, and, and disclosed himself to them and then miraculously vanished. He met that night with the 11 minus Thomas and twice pronounced peace on them and he ate with them. He, he must have, have, have maybe taught several times on that Sunday. And not one, not, not just once on the road uh, to Emmaus, but no doubt he taught in the upper room. He would have taught them there as he, as he told them all that he had uh, indeed come to do had been fulfilled. All the Old Testament promises had been fulfilled. And so on that Sunday, he told the, his disciples that, that forgiveness of sins was now available through what he had accomplished. And it was available to all who would repent and believe. On that Sunday, he stated the Great Commission that, that they were to go out and proclaim the gospel. And on that Sunday, he pledged to them that they would have the power of the Holy Spirit. So the great new covenant has been ratified. Forgiveness of sins for all sinners of all ages who, who come to God was accomplished. What a day. And it all happened on what day? Sunday. On Sunday. It happened on Sunday. Prior to that, Sunday had absolutely no significance, none, nothing. But after that, from that point on, Sunday took on a completely different meaning. Sundays would never, ever, ever be the same again. Sunday became New Covenant Resurrection Day in the minds because God had chosen that day. God chose that day. I'll just say it here. Who chose when Jesus would rise from the dead? God did. Do we think that just happened? We think it was just, I just, man, they happened to kill him on this day. And he, you know, he was three days, so it had just happened. No, no, no. God had all that planned. This is God's choice of the day that is going to be his day. Sunday, so Sunday becomes that day. It's the day he chose. But it doesn't end there. Turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse, we'll just read verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. <coughs> Pentecost. Holy Spirit comes. This is the, the coming of the Holy Spirit upon them. As Jesus has promised when he said he breathed on them in John 20, that was a promise. And, the, and, and it was a pledge of what would be fulfilled at Pentecost. And at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. We know about that. The tongues of fire above their heads. The Holy Spirit came upon many. They spoke in, in different languages. They preached. And Peter goes out on, on Pentecost. He goes out. Those who had been cowered down, scared to death just a few days before, are now going out and proclaiming the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter goes out and he preaches and 3,000 people are saved. Now, let me ask you, have you ever wondered what day of the week Pentecost was on? Say, preacher, what day was that on? What day was that on, preacher? It was on, believe it. Hey, can you believe it? It was on a Sunday. Let's look at it. Leviticus 23, 16 says, Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath that you shall have a new grain offering to the Lord. That's in Leviticus 23, 16. You can look that up. So it's the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost. And it was designed to dedicate the first fruits of the harvest of wheat. And that would be in May or June. And it was called Pentecost because the word pente meaning five. And it was because it occurred 50 days after the Sabbath preceding the Feast of First Fruits. So you have a Sabbath plus 50 days. You had the Sabbath plus 50 days. Simple calculations. A Sabbath, Friday, Friday into Saturday. Plus seven Sabbaths, seven times seven is how many? <coughs> Excuse me. It's 49. So that would fall, that, that would fall on the Sabbath, which would be what day? Saturday. That's 49. One more day, plus one more day. What day of the week is it? Sunday. It's Sunday. So it is. It's Sunday again. Pentecost, Pentecost happens on Sunday. And uh, Pentecost, Pentecost was a very special Sunday, amen? Um, certainly after Pentecost, Sunday was very well established in the hearts of true believers. Now, did they worship only on Sunday? Did the believers only worship on Sunday? No. 
We know they didn't worship only on Sunday. So how often? They worshiped every day. Acts 2.46 says, So continuing, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So continuing daily. They gathered together daily. But Sunday was the day they gathered together to worship as a whole. They worshiped. It was a, it was a special day. They met every day, but it didn't take long for them to land on the special day of Sunday to gather together and worship. Acts chapter 20. Flip over to Acts chapter 20, verse 7. This is just a little bit more history. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Now on the first day of the week, we know what day that is, right? That's Sunday. On the first day of the week, Luke is writing here. He's talking about things that are going on with he and Paul. On the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. He's preaching. So what's going on? What does that sound like is going on on the first day of the week, on that Sunday? What's going on? They're having church. Here, here you are. They're, they're worshiping on Sunday. Now, no law has been established to, to, to created to establish this. But here they are, well into the ministry of Paul and, and, and of the Apostle Paul, and they're worshiping on Saturday. Now, years have passed since the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it's a matter of fact, right here, that on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, they're worshiping. On Sunday, As Paul is going around in different places. They are worshiping on Sunday morning. They're not worshiping Friday night. They're not keeping the Sabbath and, and they're worshiping on Sunday. And, and that's what they did. And they're still meeting and, and they're meeting on Sunday. And eventually this day becomes so precious that the church to the church that it gets its own name. Now flip to Revelation chapter one. Revelation chapter one. We'll just look at one verse here. Verse 10. John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. On the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. John is writing 30 to 40 years after Paul. So this is, this is years later. This day has gone from being Sunday, and it's become from a day that meant nothing, to Sunday has become a significant day. To us becoming in Paul's, Paul's out going around and visiting places and they're worshiping together on Sunday. He's having a service. He's preaching the message on Sunday. Sunday has become the day of worship. And now we find John all these years later, he's writing this in 96 A.D. 96 A.D. And, and John's writing and he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. It's Sunday. And it's no longer Sunday. It's not the weekend. It's not my free day. It's the Lord's day. Paul, Paul writes, uh, uh, John writes this. I was in the spirit. He's worshiping, you know, on the Lord's day. And it's right here at the end of the first century. And, and, and so by this time, Sunday is, is no longer called Sunday. Those believers, whatever else it may have been called to those believers, to the believers of that day, it was now the Lord's day. And, and he doesn't even provide an explanation there. They understood this. As he wrote this, the churches would have understood exactly what he was saying. Folks, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. They knew what was going on. John was worshiping. He was worshiping on Sunday. It's the Lord's day. There are all kinds of testimonies in the second century, which would have been just a few years later since John is writing there in 96. All kinds of testimonies to the fact that the second century, in the second century, that it was customary to refer to the first day of the week as the Lord's Day. That's how they talked about it. That's what they called it. It was the Lord's Day. So the first day of the week was the Lord's Day, the day that we honor the Lord. This title is also easily found in many early Christian writings. It has continued through all all church history right down to the present. And folks, you know, I, 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 talk, I, don't, I don't like, I've shared this, I'm not a big fan of the, of the word Easter. You know, I, I, it's Resurrection Sunday. I don't, I don't know what Easter, there's a lot of different things with Easter. I'm not a big fan of the Easter. I'm a big fan of Resurrection Sunday. That's the significance of that day for me. This is what Sunday is for me now. Now, I, if you hear me call Sunday, Sunday, come slap me on the hand. Because Sunday is not Sunday. Sunday is the Lord's day. Amen? 
And that's how I'm going to refer to it. I'm going to start referring to Sunday as that, the Lord's Day. It is His. He has made that glaringly obvious, and I want to acknowledge His day. This is the Lord's Day, because this is Resurrection Day. This is not just Resurrection Day, it's Holy Spirit Day. It's the day of Pentecost. It's the day the Holy Spirit came. It's not the Lord's morning. It's not the Lord's afternoon. It's not the Lord's evening. It's not the Lord's hour. It's the Lord's day. It it just seems to me that God has placed His almighty hand on the first day of the week and He has said this. He says, this is my day. Sunday is my day. As unique as all this is, all these references don't command us to observe the first day of the week as if it had some special sort of uh, mosaic in, uh, significance, okay? So it's not like we're under mosaic law. We're not under the law. We're not under any of those things where we have to worship on Sunday. Why do we worship on Sunday? Because of everything I just shared. Because God has obviously stamped this day and said, this is my day. He did all of these things on this day. We don't have any New Testament commands regarding the first day of the week. We just have the very obvious fact that uh, that God filled that day, Sunday, with the most significant events in the founding of the church. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church, the empowerment of the church, the completion of salvation, the coming of the Holy Spirit. All of these things, all of these things are the things that God did. He did that, and it all happened on Sunday. It all happened on Sunday. Who chose Sunday for all these things to happen? happen? The Lord did. The Lord did. He picked his day and his day is Sunday. And that day is the Lord's day. Today is the Lord's day. What does the Lord expect of us on his day then? All I can say is is that what we, uh, he would expect of us should be obvious, shouldn't it? Should be that we would celebrate him as savior that we would rejoice in His cross, that we would rejoice in His resurrection, that we would pray together, that we would fellowship together, break bread together around His table, that we would listen to the apostles' doctrine, that we would hear the preaching of the Word, and we would embrace His glorious truth. Amen? Those are the things that without question we should do on the Lord's day. Now, we're not talking about legalism. We're not talking about some kind of old covenant Sabbath laws being imposed upon us. But I would ask this question, and I asked it last week, and and it's a question that applies to a lot of things. Grace, Grace certainly doesn't require less than the law. When oftentimes we say, well, we're no longer under the law, it's as though, well, you know what? There's really no expectation for me. I'm going to tell you, that's not true. Right, if somebody said that, it's not true. Because the expectation is, man, if God said do this, if He said do this under law, we as believers ought to be willing to do this from our heart. Not because there's some law. Now, I like that, amen? I like that. I'm I'm, I'm the person that that kind of is like this. If you tell me I get to do something, that's a whole lot different than I have to do something. Amen? I get to worship. On the Lord's day. And and that's what we should do. We should do these things. So what does the Lord uh, expect? We we just talked about those things. He expects us to, to, to be together, to worship Him. So grace doesn't, doesn't require less than law. So let's begin to wrap this up. Pastor Aaron, you can you can come forward. Jim. And so what this all means, this all means that there's a day that God himself has ordained for you to focus primarily on the glory of your salvation. Is Sunday just another day? Sunday's not just another day. It's not. We should take every opportunity that we have to to fill it with worship and praise and fellowship and divine truth The question is, how much do I love Christ? How strong is my desire for worship? Rather than ask, what should I do on Sunday, or what shouldn't I do on Sunday, we should be asking, what should I do? And and the, the answer really comes into, what does my love for Christ ask me to do? What does my heart for Him ask me to do? Now, I'm not forbidden to work. I'm not forbidden to play. But the answer... Uh, is to say that this is a day 
of all days in which will I, find, I will find my greatest delight. And what is my greatest delight? My greatest delight is to worship and fellowship with God's people. So we gather together. And you can't do that if you just bring your body and you don't bring your heart. You can't do that. But even worse, you can't do that if you don't bring your body. This day is important. This is, this is the Lord's day. And it, and it grieves my heart as I see it become among Christians just another day. We work. Not that you can't work. It's like, it's like someone said under the, under the law, if, if, if your ox fell in the ditch, you know what? You could get it out on the Sabbath. Jews could get the ox out of the ditch on, on the Sabbath, right? But one, one writer said this. He says, if your ox falls in the ditch every week, you either sell the ox or you fill in the ditch. You got, you got to, something's got to change. Something's got to change. And so it's not that we can't work. I mean, I've cut my grass on Sunday afternoon. <gasps> yeah, but I'm not going to cut my grass on Sunday morning. We should do things that we can rest. We can recharge. We can honor the Lord with the, with the day. If I skip church to just go do me stuff, I'm not sure I'm honoring the Lord in that. Amen? It's the Lord's day. And I hope this morning what we'll reflect on as we have this time of, of, of an invitation here in just a moment is what is this day to me? Do, do I see it as serious as God sees it? Folks, I... You know, some would say, well, you can't judge me in, in this on Sunday. I'm not going to judge you. But you will stand before God and you'll give an account for how you've lived your life. And I don't, I don't know how that's going to fly when I say, well, Lord, I just I wanted to do this on Sunday instead of coming to your house. Do you really want to look God in the face, Christ in the face, and say, ah, you know, Sunday morning really wasn't that important to me? You get, you get what I'm saying? This is the Lord's day, folks. It's not my day. It's not your day. It ain't the grandkids' day. This is the Lord's day. And man, we, we complain about the slide that we see in America. Folks, we're sliding maybe as fast as culture. We're just a little behind them. We're sliding. We're compromising. This isn't important. That's not a big deal. I've got my liberties. I can do what I want to do. I have forgiveness. I can just live, live like it's great. Because great, it's great. I think it's, I think it's more serious than that. This is the Lord's day. And so as we, as we have invitation this morning, time to reflect. May, maybe this morning you go, you know what? Lord, I, I want to, I just, I see, I see this day like I've never seen this before. I've never realized, God, your stamp on this day the importance of this day. Maybe it's a time just to recommit that to Him. Lord, I, I'm going to make Sunday, I'm going to make the Lord's Day a priority in my life. I mean, legalistically, oh, I can't take vacation. No, that's not what that says. I'm going to make the Lord's Day the Lord's Day. Amen? If you would stand and...